everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Writers Toolshed. Uh, this is Richie, hit cover from Liverpool. We're still alive and virus free. And we've got back in the studio, back in the toolshed. This is JM. And uh, yeah, it's been a long time. Richie, how you been? Yeah, like I say, I'm still alive. I haven't got the virus yet. I understand that you're coming out of lockdown no soon over in South Korea. I'm hoping. Uh, seems like I might have still a week, week or so left at home. But the the time I've, I've had two weeks at home so far, and it's been pretty productive. I've gotten back into doing some writing. Uh, prior to yes. prior to the uh, the epidemic, I was uh, lamenting not having any writing time on my blog, and then all of a sudden I was <laughs> stuck at home. So it took me a while to get back into the the swing of things, but now I'm cranking out content. So it feels nice. Yeah, the universe was listening to you. I've been in a similar position. I have just started a new job and then everything's sort of settled down again now. So I've had time to do a few uh, projects that I've been put on the back burner for a while. Uh, And I think we've both been in the process, haven't we, in the last few weeks of putting covers together for our new books. So it's quite a convenient subject for us to to cover today since we've been going through it ourselves. Yeah, I mean, you... You've got at least two books that you've got cover stuff you're working on, and I've got two, so it just seems like an appropriate topic. So, uh, so why don't you give some detail about the stuff that you're working on? Yeah, so there's virus going on at the moment. So it's, it's easy to feel quite a bit helpless, isn't it? Um, if everyone, you've got all these nurses and doctors on the front line saving lives, and you're just sitting at home eating chocolate. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to do something. To sort of give a bit back so i've had this book lined up for a while called thoughts on writing uh, which is a collection of all the different advice and tips and guidance that i've come across over the years that i've found really helpful it's it's sort of structured around a fantasy writer's handbook there's a lot of that um content in that book was just general writing advice so i wanted to put that into just as a general book on writing lose the sort of fantasy focus um and i've expanded on some chapters have added a few more in and that's coming out next friday the 17th of april um and all the proceeds uh being used to help those impacted by the coronavirus so any care homes um any food banks that need donations any charities that need cost covering i mean i don't expect to make a lot of money out of this but if i can help a few people then it'll be worth it so what about you what have you had going on definitely yeah definitely worth it and then you've also got um hopefully coming up here soon you've got uh your cover for your your novel with fiction vortex that they you've got to start working on with the in-house uh, cover artist for the publisher yeah so that'll be coming up here soon so you'll you'll have another cover you'll have to work on as for me i've got two that i'm working on um the first one i've been doing on my own using a a web uh web design platform called canva which we're going to talk about later and um, this this is uh, going to be a re-release of my uh, fairy tale novella, The Nightingale. It was originally published by a indie publisher called Fantasia Divinity, and my two-year contract with them is is up. And I'm just looking to just kind of really quickly get it updated, do some do some tweaking and editing, and throw it back out there. And it's just a lot easier just to do it self-published at this point yeah and then the other one i am working on is a novella that is related to my valley of magic story world which uh, fiction vortex has been publishing but this book is actually a collection of flash stories that was published online by a uh, a web website called altered reality magazine they published yeah they published a uh basically in serial format. So they released one every month and now the, the whole series is complete and I just want to package it up and put it into a book. And because it fits into my Valley of Magic uh, story world, uh, Fiction Vortex wants to publish it, but because it's already been published and because it's small and it, it's just, it just doesn't carry a lot of weight. So yeah. um, in order to keep, you know, the burden off of their pub, you know, their uh, in-house uh, cover artist, because he's kind of in high, high demand right now. 
Um, I am actually working on a cover myself with a cover, cover artist that I know. So I've solicited a cover artist to do a cover for that book. Um, cool. And we're right in the mid, like right in the middle of it this week, um, doing, going back and forth via, via email uh, yeah. with, with you know, ideas and updates and, and things. It's an interesting process. And she's the one that I've worked with before. She did the uh, cover for uh, The Adventures of Irik, which was the oh, first nice. book I ever, I ever did. And then A Storm in New London which is a sci-fi short story anthology that I, I put out. She did both of those yeah. covers. So I've worked with her before. Oh, nice work. Busy, busy. Yep. So in your writing career, there's going to come a point where you're going to have to look to get a cover made for a book. Um, so there's a lot of different things to consider from prices to copyright to designs and there's lots of things that you can have to uh, to factor in when it comes to making these things. So very helpfully, JM has done a lot of research on all these different factors. So JM, over to you. Yeah. So uh, this time around, I actually took a whole lot of notes, which is weird for me because I tended to be a pantser, even though I, I loathe to admit it, but I think so book covers is is a big um issue of concern for for writers and i think there's a lot of inf information out there but not necessarily a lot of data so th there's a lot of information out there a lot of websites that just jump to the conclusion that covers are important just because we interact with them yeah. but th that's a, i mean it's a big question that a lot, of, a lot of authors ask like how important is a book cover what role does that play in in my book sales do i yeah. need do i need to have a a you know fancy high quality professional cover or can i just throw some text on on a a solid background and be done with it yeah what i did is um i went hunting for raw data like actual actual statistics actual like scientifically done studies because yeah. the vast majority of what out there is, is, is just anecdotal. It's just people like saying what they think, but not <laughs> backing it up. So I'm going to go through uh, a bunch of uh, data sources that I pulled up, pulled together and just kind of explain like what they did and what the results were and, and what it reveals. And um, there's basically two, two types of data here. Some of it is subjective. So uh, some yeah. of these, were just surveys where they asked people, Hey, uh, do you think book covers are important or how does a book cover affect your purchase? Well, that's not the best type of data because people might be inclined for one reason or another, not to, um, you know, their answer might not be honest. It might be that they don't want to come off as, uh, as uh, superficial by saying, yeah, yeah I, I buy, totally based off a book cover because you know i I'm, that might come off as as being superficial because you're not thinking deeper about the product or something yeah, um, yeah. and and things like that and then the second type of data is, is is based on sales data so that's kind of the best data you can get is that you do some cover changes and the sales data changes like people are actually committing and making a purchase that's that's really good that's solid uh, information so yeah. the first source uh, I pulled up was a survey done by a website called book book smugglers. Yeah. And in the survey, they, uh, they, you know, they had uh, 616 people answer questions and I'm not going to go through all the questions, just really kind of the relevant ones. Um, their, yeah. their introduction question, the big first big question they asked was, uh, how large a role do covers play in your decision to buy a book? And the results were 3% say it's a plays a dominant role in their decision to, to purchase a book. 48% say a major role, 41% say a minor role and only 5% said an insignificant role. Mm, interesting. Um, so the majority, if you, if you take the first two answers, the majority uh, responded that it plays an important role in their decision to buy a book, uh, how yeah. good the book cover is. And then skipping down 
passing a bunch of their questions and going to one other interesting question that they asked was, uh, they asked, what do you think is the role of the book cover? And 26% uh, answered that covers are primarily a marketing tool. 62% answered that covers are representative of the book content. Covers are supposed to tell something about the book as opposed yeah. to be specifically for generating sales. And 12% uh, gave some sort of other answer that was undefined. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. So th that, is, that is interesting. Uh, and that's an important point that's going to come up later, that uh, the cover being representative of the book content. And then the writers of the survey also um, wrote some kind of general conclusions. And one of the conclusions was that uh, they had the, the impression that people aren't necessarily uh, agreeing with the idea that genre covers should be similar to other covers in the genre. However, they had added an interesting caveat that the people that answered, they don't, they don't equate the quality of a book to books with similar covers. Personally, yeah. they, don't, they don't do that. However, they believe that others do make that association, which just oh. kind, of, kind of infers that, that uh, the weakness of the, the, um, the subjective answer you know, format yeah. is that they can imagine other people making those judgments, but no, I don't do it. Yeah. Kind of feels kind of hokey. So as you've got to look at the, the kind of people who would have completed the survey as well, like book smugglers, I think is a, is a pretty big book, uh, book bloggers website. Yeah. They actually, so, they actually, um, went through that in the conclusions and they said that most of the people that responded, responded that they were readers, not bloggers, yeah. not writers, which was interesting. They actually yeah, highlighted that, that detail. So it's actually yeah. the people we, the people that we want to want to know, the, the, the thinking of were the people that responded to the survey. But again, it's a subjective survey. Yeah. Anything you want to say on that one? No, I just like to say, it's, uh, there's not what you can really go off on that because it is, it's a subjective survey. So it's, it's interesting, I suppose, that um, people don't really think that covers play such a significant role. It's only just about half of the response says that it, it's impacts them. So, I mean, I look at some of the books that I've got on my shelf here and some of them are really bland. Some of them just just like a title, essentially. Other than others are really creative and interesting. And I, I think naturally you're just going to go for the more aesthetically pleasing one. But at the same time, if you know that the content is good, you're not really bothered about the cover. The cover like is something that you don't really see. As soon as you open the book, the cover's forgotten about. So. Um, yeah, interesting. So um, along those same lines, I'm going to go into the next source that I, that I pulled up, which is also another survey. However, this was a, a scientifically conducted survey, which I think is a, just a little bit more reliable. Um, I found this one. I don't know if you've heard of digital commons, but uh, digital commons is something that we have in academia, at least in the United States where uh, people who write their, uh, like their masters and PhD dissertations, they all get uploaded into the system and yeah. uh, you have public access. So this was actually a master's thesis by Holly Rollins for a master of science with the Rochester Institute of Technology in 2014. And it's a, a very, strongly scientifically designed uh, survey. So her goal was to determine the relative value of uh, three criteria, cover, cover design, price, and customer ratings. So like uh, your Amazon ratings or, or word of mouth, things for that. And the interesting yeah. thing about this, uh, about her thesis is it focused specifically on science fiction and fantasy, which is, you know, what we're kind of geared towards here. Yeah. Uh, going through the results of of her research, she interviewed 96 respondents. So it is a little bit smaller of a, um, a sample size, but yeah. it was a lot more uh, rigorously done. It wasn't just 
throwing out some questions. It was, it was rigor, rigorously uh, planned and implemented and analyzed. Yeah. So the results of her survey showed that uh, 73% of the people surveyed when uh, looking at a book and whether or not they wanted to purchase that book, they, they judged the cover as most important over uh, price and over the rating, the reviews. Awesome. And then uh, price followed that by 17, uh, 17%. And rating was the least significant attribute at 10%. So of those mm. three attri attributes, cover was overwhelmingly the most important thing that got people want wanting to buy a book or intending to buy a book. Mm. Um, and this was, she noted specifically that this was consistent with um, the Schmidt-Stolting uh, study in Germany, which I'm going to go over later. So this is just a little bit more reliable, I think, the data here because of the, the way that she did it, the rigorous, rigorous methodology, and also her results um, came out similar to a, a different study that was done in Germany on uh, actual bookstore uh, sales. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yes. Yeah, very interesting. That's, um, I mean, again, it sort of ties into the... So the, the findings of the first study by book smugglers that the majority of people do value a front cover. That would also tell you that when you're uh, planning a book that you should focus more on your cover than anything else. Uh, well, I always used to spend a lot of time writing to reviewers, asking them to review it because I thought reviews were the most important thing. But it's sort of starting to suggest that covers are more valued by bias that was my big that was my big takeaway that only 10 percent said that they look at at the rating as their primary criteria for uh for buying a book that was kind of a shock to me because intuitively you think you know ratings are everything and i and i, and I don't know just working on amazon like everybody amazon reviews give me reviews um yeah the cover was so much more important than the rating for at least these 96 people who were self-identified fantasy and science fiction readers, so they are our target audience. Yeah, do you think then that in in this genre that covers because it is such a more imaginative genre that covers play such a more significant role? Like when I did the fantasy writer's handbook, I wanted it to be as creative and colorful and interesting as possible. Yeah, I think that's a good point, but I also so the way I'm thinking of it is um and I'm going to get into it a little bit later with some of the other, the other data here is it's important for a cover to convey your genre and your story. And I think that's very important for science fiction and fantasy in particular, but just because of how many subgenres there are. Yeah. So being able to identify from the look of a cover that something is young adult fantasy or uh, urban fantasy or uh, hard science fiction with spaceships, like, that's more important for us, I think, than for anybody else. So it would make sense that people are looking towards uh, fantasy and science fiction readers are looking towards covers um, first and foremost because they're trying to get that information. And that, and that, yeah. and that, you know, is reflected in that first survey where 62% of the, the the people said they they expect covers to be representative of the book. So those are the subjective data sets, and I'm going to move on to um, the uh, more uh, objective uh, studies that were done. And yeah. I'm going to kind of go, there, uh, there's two that were done in Germany, and I'm going to stack these in order of, of import, how I think that they are important and, and valuable. So the first one was... Uh, a study conducted by Meisenberg in 2016. Yeah. And in this study, it looked at the German Amazon market and it only applied one variable. And that is covers that have photos and covers that don't have photos. Mm. So um, the idea is a, a more vivid covered versus a more bland kind of textual cover. Yeah. And the results based on sales, the results were that a photo cover 
was associated with a 3% better sales rank for generally low selling titles and a 7% uh, better sales rank for best selling titles. Mm. So the, 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 uh, the idea is that uh, more vivid covers. So first of all, it just reinforces the idea that a cover is important and a better cover or a more market appropriate cover is going to get you more sales. But uh, it also kind of hints at that uh, a more vivid cover is, might, uh, might help in, in generating sales. However, yeah. um, one of the kind of secondary authors that I was reading that was analyzing the study um, suggested that the survey doesn't necessarily consider if it was just the cover that was making a different difference or if that a book with a higher inherent you know sales potential because it's a traditionally published book or a bigger author that that book is going to have a better cover to begin with and and that's what is generating it's just the sales are just coming because it's a better book to begin with so yeah that wasn't assessed and that's a potential ambiguity but i that's think that's an interesting point yeah yeah it's it's interesting data set i've um my experience with covers with pictures on i've never had an actual one of my books with a picture on but i remember not long ago being involved in a cover competition all other cover of the month competition uh and the amount of romance books on there that have scantily clad men or women on the on the front cover is it comes down to genre if you've got a romance book you want some sort of hunk on the front yeah that is gonna draw in these that's amorous, been, it's been amorous ladies. For, it's been that way for decades. But I don't necessarily, yeah. I don't, I don't think necessarily photo means like photorealistic picture photo. I, I would think your uh, fantasy writer's handbook would have qualified as a photo cover. It has a a visual image as opposed to image, a textual yeah. as opposed to a textual cover. I'm with you. Yeah. So that was a uh, Meiseberg from 2016. But I think the really important. Um, study that was done on book covers that's kind of like you know the penultimate book cover research was the schmidt sterling uh 2011 study which was actually cited by uh holly rollins in her in her master's thesis and um this was actual surveying done at a bookstore as opposed to ebooks um and what they did is the first thing they did is they uh, they surveyed bookstore customers to to basically rate the covers. So they gave the covers a rating of one to five. So and yeah. that portion of it, you you know, you would think that okay, we're we're back in a subjective land. We're talking about surveys, but that was just priming the um, the vector for the uh, the study, right? So they have a bunch of covers that they have uh, appeal ratings for they have data on how appealing these book covers are then they apply that to sales data so that's where the hard numbers come in and they yeah. found that for paperbacks the uh, higher appeal rating for the cover resulted in a 28 percent higher sales so people so that just kind of shows that people were drawn to covers which they found you know, subjectively found appealing, those are the books that they were more likely to buy, which I, I think is, is really good data. And it, it, it takes all of that, you know, anecdotal, well, obviously books, you know, book covers are important type speculation and it actually hammers in a number, 30%. Yeah. Be, a better cover is going to get you 30% higher sales. Solid data. They did note that, um, that the cover rating did not affect hardcovers, but the authors speculated that uh, this was because hardcovers inherently receive more advertising support and uh, are going to have better, you know, they're going to have better covers. They're going to have more advertising because you only put out a hardcover for a book that you're going to go all in on. Uh, whereas a, the cover of a paperback was pretty much its primary advertising. So those kind of balanced out interesting well it just goes to show this a 30 percent higher sales that's a massive jump um so 
it is where it just confirms what we've we've sort of the picture that we're starting to build that the more time and effort that you spend in your book cover the more rewards it's gonna you're gonna reap down the line so uh, this just helps to build that picture and then, okay, so the last uh, data set that I want to go over is there's several, there's several um, publishers and websites that did what I'm calling a binary cover test. So basically, you have a book out on the market already that has a, that has a, a certain cover, and then you redo the cover, and you republish the book. And then after a set period, you compare the, the sales data and see, and see how those two covers basically stack up once in, uh, against each other and a lot of uh, a lot of well this is this has become a, a common tactic a lot of publishers are doing it and sometimes it's dramatic changes to the cover which is what we're actually going to look at but sometimes it's little things like changing the font changing the positioning um, actually our publisher fiction, fiction vortex I think is doing a little bit of this um, to to kind of get a feel for the, the cover market and what, what is, uh, you know, selling right now. Yeah. So the first, and, and then these, uh, these tests, the, the um, websites that did these tests, they did several different books, but I'm going to focus specifically on the fantasy books just because that's what we're, you know, primarily concerned with. So the first one I looked at was done by Reed Z. And uh, the book in question was called The Fire Within. <clears throat> and the result was that they got 28% more clicks by uh, changing the cover. And the way they changed it was they, they added the character's face uh, to dominate the cover. And interestingly, the other thing that they did is they changed the author's name from a, a gender camouflaging initials to uh, the, the given name Catherine. So there's yeah. a lot of uh, female authors out there, particularly in genre fiction, who use uh, uh, initials because they don't want to they don't want to you know, put themselves out as female authors, thinking that they might uh, get a negative reaction, which I totally understand and I and I know it's warranted. However, in this case, uh, actually identifying the, the author as as female was one of the changes that they made that uh, generated more clicks. That's interesting, isn't it? Do you reckon that we're going for a bit of a change there? Then I mean, like, so was the initial thing when we were look at look at writers like J.K. Rowling, uh, she tried to to get published as a, a, a man, and I can't remember the name that she used for the man, but um, and and then she decided to hide her initials by calling herself J.K. Rowling, uh, to hide the gender, but to to see that at thirty percent increasing click rates by simply identifying the, the, the gender that that's well, significant isn't it well that, that was that was one aspect of it um and you know the, me talking through these doesn't really do the justice so i'll have to post the the links to these actual pages so you can see what the two covers look like um but i think one of the things is is the, the new cover has a a young girl's face taking up over 50% of the book of 50% of the, the page. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's giving up, but it's giving off like very, very clear young adult vibes. So you have a young adult book with a young girl character written by a female author. I think that all works together as opposed yeah, to yeah. Harry Potter, you know, a male character written by a female author might not have the same connection. I'm with you. So their analysis was that um, the redesign was far less cryptic. Um, it told more about the book, including the who the main character was, that uh, there was magic involved in the story, and that the book was probably young adult. And their their conclusion was that covers need to communicate uh, content of the book, whether it's character, tone, or genre which just goes back to that first survey that we talked about. Yeah. Fascinating. And then uh, the second page that I looked at was a, um, I think they're a book design website. They're called 99 Designs. So they had a book called The Bazaar. And uh, their primary change that they made to the cover 
was adding the character. So the first cover doesn't have a it doesn't have a character. It's got a skull and it's got some kind of dark imagery. And then what they did is they added the character. They changed some of the fonts around, and they they generated fifty one percent more clicks. That's insane. Their conclusion was that typography is very important. One of the big big changes they made was the fonts, um, and they said the fonts should actually uh, accentuate the meaning of the book's title. Or, or build on the themes and the moods. So they used, um, they used a more kind of exotic, medieval, old-looking type uh, serif font that goes with the idea of a bazaar. You know, a bazaar is something we think of in, as being in these kind of traditional areas of like the Middle East and whatnot. Yeah. And then that character uh, also kind of hammered in that this is fantasy, um, maybe a little bit dark fantasy there's some magic to it so they concluded you know the typography is important and the imagery conveying what the book is about and and that syncing with you know the synopsis and whatnot will drive more interest nice i mean i think typography definitely has a big role to play in uh, reflecting the genre i remember when we were designing the first cover for Pariah's Lament, uh, my novel that's coming out soon. Um, the first, the first one that came back, it just wasn't fantasy, fantasy enough, and it didn't tell you what the what genre the book was about. So, typography, it doesn't really. You see, it's one of the things you probably take for granted, but it's definitely worth spending a bit of time picking that right font and making sure it. Like you say, it illustrates what the book's about and what the themes are about and the moods. So, yeah, but yeah. I, I think typo- I think the fonts are also a double-edged sword. I think, um, especially when you're talking about fantasy fonts, I think you have to be very careful. You want a font that fits, you know, your genre, but you also don't want it to look amateurish. I think there's a lot of people that just throw out these like blatantly like fantasy you know crazy fonts well it's fantasy so i'm going to throw this crazy font on there and it just it looks amateurish it doesn't look professional so i think there's a there's a limit between um you know how far you can go into adopting your genre into your fonts um i yeah i think you just have to be extra careful about what you choose yeah and the other, the other thing is, the other thing I've learned is, is uh, the combination of fonts is that it's, it's often good to have a mix of serif and sans serif fonts on the cover. Um, but the title font and the author font and the subtitle font usually are generally all three different, or at least the title font and the author font are different fonts. And it's, it's not something you think about unless you're in the business of designing covers. There are lots of different resources available to writers uh, to help design and come up with their front covers. If you're looking for images, definitely recommend websites like um, Pixabay or Unsplash or Pexels, which have millions of stock images on there available for free and free for commercial use is the main thing that you want to look at because if you're selling a book, um, commercially, then you need to make sure you've got the right permissions to, to profit off that cover image. If you don't, uh, if you don't have those permissions, you may need to buy uh, a license for an image. So you just need to keep an eye out for that. Um, and then, gen- so, yeah, and then yeah. generally speaking, um, Pixabay and Unsplash are good, uh, but if you want the best art, you're gonna you're gonna have to go with the the paid licensing so that's like shutterstock is probably the big um stock art website and that's all paid uh paid content and but it's really good content that's why you have to pay for it but one thing is you can um always be on the lookout for uh stock art pages that are paid sometimes have uh deals like sign up deals or temporary deals where you can get a certain number of uh images either low cost or for free so you can always keep up keep an eye out for that yeah and then there's a few websites that you can you can go on to 
commission artist as well. So uh, there's a website called Fiverr, which is spelled F-I-V-R-R. I mean, I've never used Fiverr before. I've used something called Upwork, which is another uh, similar website. But I know, JM, you've used Fiverr before. I've I've been on I've been around uh dug around on Fiverr a little bit. So Fiverr is everything you could think of. Um basically Fiverr started out as a a website where anything you could think you could do for five dollars, you put on Fiverr. So cover art, um um editing it goes so far beyond uh, the literary arts, but Specifically for our needs, you can find cover artists on Fiverr and they will, you know, give you a rate. And typically that rate is $5 for something, you know, $5. Is it all $5, is it? Yeah. A lot of it is, that's kind of the theme. So a lot of it is based on that. So it might be $5 an hour, um, oh, which, which might come out to, you know, a 10, 10 hour project and come, come out to $50 or something like that. Um, but that that's a lot of times that's how it's divvied up is it's five dollars for some portion of a project. Ah. Yeah. I mean one of the if you if you don't have any budget whatsoever and you, you need to cover the best website that I've come across, which is one that JM's recently told me about, is called Canva. If, so, if you don't have any money or if you just happen to believe happen to be artistically inclined, which I am. I am not. <laughs> yeah, Canva does it all for you, so don't worry. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk you through how to use Canva now. So Canva, it's spelled C-A-N-V-A, like Canvas but without the S. Um, this is the website that JM's mentioned, and it's one that I've recently used to design a free book cover. And I have to say, I'm very, very happy with the outcome, to be totally honest. So, right, let's have a look then how we use Canva. So, first of all, you just need to sign up. And then once you've registered, it's all totally free. There's no hidden charges. There's no, oh, yeah, we'll charge your account in seven days kind of thing. It's just totally free. There is a pro version, which gives you more access to more things like uh, animations and videos. But for our purposes now of making a book cover, we just need to use the free one. So first of all, click on create a design, top right. And then it's going to give you different options. So uh, you can make logos on here, you can make flyers, you can make infographics. And of course, you can make book covers. So we're going to go on that one. And then what will happen is it will open a sort of editor. And down the left, you'll have a control bar, which will have like templates. Then you can go into a different tab, which has photos. There's elements there as well, which you can drag and drop onto your cover. Um, so me personally, I used a template. And for my one, it was in the non-fiction section. Like there's all different types of uh, sections, which have example covers of them genres. So there's like sci-fi, there's romance there's just generic novels there's even things like prayer books so if you're feeling a bit religious that's something that you could do there as well so once you've got your book cover you just simply click on the template if that's the way you wanted to do it and then once you have your template you're then able to change every element on there so i've just clicked on a novel book cover for example it's got a shadowy image of a car on it so if i want to brighten that up I can go to the photos tab first of all select the image then to the photos tab and then I can search for say for example a mini car I'm gonna get a nice bright red mini and I'm gonna drag and drop that right over this dingy looking murder novel front cover and now all of a sudden it looks like it could be something to do with the Italian job so if you want to change anything else um, there's all different fonts you can use an excellent array of fonts very stylish looking fonts as well some are free some are uh, only available to premium members so again not it's not too restrictive there's still quite a lot of, a lot of options but if you wanted to change things on there you, you can't change the um, style of the text you can change colors um, images you can add effects to and you can add filters to so 
even if you did pick the same in image as somebody else if you have a play around with it there's a good chance that you're, you're going to create something totally unique there's also an uploads option as well so if you wanted to upload your own image that is something that is possible as well um, it's something that I did when I was making my one and it worked fine just make sure that if you're using an image that is not on this photos section because this photo section is linked with pixels and pixabay which are um, free stock image websites so if you're using your own image just make sure that you've got the right copyright um, permissions to do so once you're finished you simply click download in the top right um, there's a downloads uh, option there so if you've used a premium image for your front cover then it may say you owe a fee if you wanted to go ahead and use this cover so it's asking me for a pound um, because I used a premium image it gives you then if you want to use it for one use for a single design it's a pound if you wanted to use it for different um, things it, you can ch you can pay more obviously just look for the free ones if you're looking to keep it on a budget download options you can download it as a PDF you can download it as a JPEG or you can download it as a PNG you can all, like as I mentioned before you can also make GIFs and you can make videos as well animations is a premium feature but again that's something that you can do if you splashed out a bit of cash on the uh, extra features and then once you've finished you just download and jobs are good you've got yourself a shiny new book cover which looks professionally done and all it's cost you is half an hour of your time I mean when I did my cover I did for thoughts on writing three different versions and then because it, it took that that little amount of time I, I just knocked out three quick covers and then posted them on social media and said to people which they liked annoyingly people said that they liked different parts of different ones so I had to go back then and forge all of them together into one universally acceptable cover so yeah canva is a terrific website it's free it's quick and easy to use it's like a photoshop uh, a version of photoshop without any of the sort of complicated bits so definitely give it a go and i think you'll be very very satisfied and happy with it so that's how you use canva um the, the trickiest thing i always think is actually coming up with ideas so where a good starting point, I think, is always to have a look at the market, do a bit of market research. So you go on Amazon, go on Barnes & Noble, any of them websites, and just search for the best sellers in your chosen genre and just see what covers they've got. Um, I mean, that's what I did when I was designing the cover for Thoughts on Writing. I just had a look at the books in the authorship category. Had a look for what color schemes they were using, what kind of images they were using, typographies, what kind of information would they put uh, sort of strap lines, subheadings on the on the title, um, and any any bit of data that you can extrapolate from other people's covers is going to help you out when it comes to coming up with ideas for your own. And that so just, it's just reinforced by the the data we pulled up that says. One of the important things your cover should do is convey the genre. So the best way to convey yeah. the genre is to look at what other books in your genre do and do something similar. Yeah, definitely. Hey, one thing I, I was playing around with in this book uh, for this particular book cover is colors. So there's a lot of uh, there's a psychology behind colors and color schemes. Uh, different colors mean different things. So red for example, um, sort of suggests like a warmth, strength, energy, stimulation, excitement, but it also means some negative things as well, like aggression, um, strain, defiance, and all these different colors have different meanings. I mean, it might not work with everybody. But yeah, it's definitely, a, it's definitely a cultural thing. Um, so yeah. depending on, you know, depending on where your book is, uh, color meaning is definitely cultural so if i ask you what color is the sun what, what would you answer i'd say yellow yeah a korean would say it's red ah. it blew my that blew my mind when i came here and i was asking all my little elementary kids when i was a teacher hey what color what color is the sun and they go red and i'm like is it the end of the world 
so yeah, color yeah. color meanings and psychology of colors is is yeah a good thing it is very cultural though but if you're publishing within your culture like if you're publishing if i'm publishing in the united states i should have a good um good feeling of what colors mean in my culture yeah so that's just something to bear in mind and any idea you get even if you think it's stupid just write it down it's like have a good brainstorm when it comes to covers it took me a long time before I was able to settle on the covers for my two books. Uh, and then when it comes to working with an artist as well, the, the more detail that you can include, the, the less disappointed you're going to be when the artist comes back to you with his, his design because, or their design, sorry. Um, because otherwise you're just leaving it up to them to fill in the gaps in your mind. And there's no way that anyone is going to be able to, where what exactly is the image in your mind so you've got to sort of help help the artist out as much as possible i think you're right the first time it, it is your design it is the ultimately is the author's design um the artist is the the artist is just building that um so i some some i've worked with a, a couple cover artists and like you said the most important thing is to communicate um uh they need to know what it is you want um, but more importantly, they need to know what the work is. So uh, if you pay top dollar for a, a cover artist, you should expect them to read the, read the book or read a portion of the book, understand what the book is um, to get an idea of, of, uh, of what the, the, uh, the cover needs to be. But yeah. I doubt most of the people listening to this podcast are going to be burning up 500 bucks on a book cover. So yeah. it's up to you to give a very good synopsis and a very good sense to your cover artist of what the book is, what, what the story is, also what the meaning is. What, what is the meaning that uh, that book, that story has for you? Because that's all going to get mixed in, that can get mixed into that cover. And then uh, the other thing I learned is being, you need to be involved in the process. So you make suggestions. Um, the lower the tier the uh, the artist you're working with, um, the more involved you need to be. So if you're working at, with a, a very kind of low cost, cheap um, uh, stock image artist who's just going to pull stuff off of free sites like Pixabay to build, an, build a, a cover, then you can help out by finding images yourself that, that resonate with you and, and you know, in direct, you know, directing the, the artist in a particular direction. And then the bottom, the bottom thing, the last thing you need to understand when you're working with a cover artist is you're not going to get exactly what you want. You will not get everything that your heart desires. And there's a couple of reasons for it. One is, um, especially if you're working with stock art, then it, there's just limitations of the craft. You can't, you can't craft any particular image. But the other thing yeah. is uh, the artist knows better than you. If you're hiring a cover artist, it's because you don't know what you're doing. And the, the artist is going to make some choices that you might not think are right, but you need to trust them that they know their craft like yeah. you know your craft. And, and at the end of the day, uh, give, give the artist the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing. Yeah, that's a great point. A lot of considerations when it comes to book covers. Never straightforward. And it's all, it all comes down to you as the writer and what your expectations are and what you want to get out of it. It's a very personal thing, a book cover writer, I find. Um, you want to you wanna look at that book with pride. You've, you've put all that time and effort into the content and you want to make sure it looks good. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, there's, no, there's no golden rule, I think. It just all comes down to you. We'll no doubt come back to marketing again in the future. It's such a broad topic and it is a minefield for many writers as well. So if we can help you out in any way we can when it comes to this side of writing then we'll be sure to do it um interesting that you uh you call it a minefield did you know that i used to be a combat engineer in the army <laughs> literally going through minefields was my job marketing i marketing blows me up every time but you seem to do you seem to do pretty good you seem to understand that a lot better than i so when we do get back to marketing uh richie will definitely be in the lead 
Yeah, hopefully. Anyway, I've just started with a new job as well for a marketing firm as well. So hopefully <laughs> I'll learn a few more things that I can share with you as well. Um, yeah, it, it is. There's, it is. It's tricky and it's a, a significant time investment as well. Um, and as I move into promoting my new novel, I'm going to be focusing a lot more on marketing. So you can expect more subjects in the episodes to come and then and we talked about maybe in a future episode we're going to talk about prose and uh and how to write your words and if if anybody knows the meaning of words it's me because that's what i do i i, I do legal analysis and i literally <laughs> look at every single word and every single punctuation mark to manipulate meaning wait yeah. no i didn't say that did i <laughs> Yeah, so that's definitely uh, something that we're, we're considering doing in our next episode is look at all these so-called writing rules which litter the the, genre, uh, the field uh, and we're going to go through them and knock them down one by one because no one likes a rule, do they? The lawyers do. <laughs> yeah, they, lawyers they, just, do. they just like the rule working in their favor. Yeah, try and manipulate the rules to do so. So to close up this uh, this episode on covers, um, I did have one little last bit of cover news, and uh, I'll, I'll throw out some links. But I'm having a short story published in a a anthology by Transmundane Press called On Time, and they just did their cover review last week, and it's really it's a really it's a cool looking cover, uh, very very timely cover. So uh, I'm going to spam out some links to that uh, on our social media so you can, so you can check it out. Nice one. And um, I mentioned earlier as well, I've got a book coming out on Friday the 17th of April called Thoughts on Writing, which is a general book on writing, the craft of writing, core elements of storytelling, how to build your author profile, how to market your work and get published. It's going to cover everything. Uh, all the proceeds are going towards people impacted by the coronavirus. So, if you uh, you can pre-order that now, and uh, it's in paperback and ebook. So you just head said to Amazon. Thoughts on writing, and uh, if you're feeling generous, please give us a a, a buy there. But uh, I think that's about it for this this episode, isn't it? It's been pretty interesting. I think a lot of a uh, lot of facts and data, which is quite unusual for us. Yeah, I learned a whole lot in this process. I was surprised, uh, kind of dug myself into a rabbit hole the more the more that I was looking at it. So it was it was good for me to to look at all this. Yeah, and we hope you've enjoyed it too. So uh, goodbye from me, and uh, see you next time. Yeah, stay safe, everyone. <laughs>